Welcome to the Playing Hooky Podcast with your hosts, Rachel and Nathan, brought to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com, consistently rated adequate. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Playing Hooky Podcast. I am Rachel. I am a facsimile of Nathan, who has resurrected and is now wearing his body. So let's just be clear here. Nate works third shift at his job. What? Yeah. And uh, that's really challenging for the human body. And even though you've been doing it for, what, like two months now? Yeah, well, it's like one of those, uh, yeah. it's like um, it's like being on a diet, you know? Like you're, you're basically forcing your body to sleep in a reverse order. Right. And it doesn't want to do that. And now that the, the, the light is really changing a lot as we've moved, you know, firmly into the fall hours, it's mm-hmm. getting dark and light at different times and it's probably throwing you off a little bit. So it's going to screw me up. He's being a real sport um, and recorded already a podcast today, 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade with our good friend, Bob. Go was, check it out. Go check it out. Go listen. Um but he was sweet enough to record a podcast with me, too, and have a little bit of Nate and Rachel time. Mm-hmm. So um, what are we going to talk about today, Nate? And today, we are talking about horror movies in honor of my favorite holiday. My favorite holiday as well. This is why we're so good together. Halloween. Halloween spooky. Yes. Uh, like I said on Facebook today, it's the one time of year where uh, I'm normal. And I could tell by that sentence that you were sleep deprived because I had to read it three times to be like, <laughs> is that a sentence or two sentences? <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> How many commas are in you just, there? You know, certain places no, you just have to give up. You're no, just but like, it, whatever. There's, that's the thing, though. It's like you are a, a very smart person and a decent writer who knows grammar. But I was like reading that and I'm like, he needs more rest because <laughs> the sentence was like the weird thing about halloween is it's the only time of year where the things i like are normal comma so i guess that's good that at least one time of the year that i am normal <laughs> i was like boy howdy that boy needs some rest he needs a couple more hours of sleep i was like what is happening hey, whatever. don't judge me i'm not judging you i'm it's, just sometimes you just go and yep. you just fart out words basically you know like I just did a moan moon ago. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I was, you did. <laughs> I was, I was like, this is this is what Rachel did. She she was like, hey, do you do you remember? And then she just went. Have like you this. ever had a dream that that you um you had you 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 could you do you you want you you could do so you you do you could you you want you want him to do you so much you could do anything. Like, it's only funny because that's exactly what I did. Like, I think I had, like, a TIA or, like, a stroke or something. It's like, so stupid. It was like listening to someone start a car. <laughs> and it's okay because I, I do it all the time. I, I often find myself being a stuttering mess. I was, like, caught in some kind of, like, loop. <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, we're talking about horror movies. So... In the tradition of this podcast, I picked a thing and Nathan picked a thing. And mm-hmm. just through the magic of Netflix and then what we have here available at the apartment, we both came up pretty easily with both um, a horror movie that was significant to us. Maybe not our most favorites ever, but maybe yours was. Mine wasn't that I chose for you to watch, but significant to us in some way. Right. And then um, we shared it with the other and we watched it. Right. So I found Children of the Corn. Mm-hmm. On Netflix. Which, ironically, I had never seen. Yeah, which is weird because it's a classic. And, it's and I'm pretty, a horror guy. It's pretty accessible. And yeah. you're like a big Stephen King guy. 
Yeah. Um, and uh, he had me watch Phantasm, which I had never heard of before. So um, let's just go in chronological order of the order we watched them in. Chronologically. Chronologically. Mm-hmm. Um, so we watched Children of the Corn first, and that was sometime last week. And the reason why I picked it was, one, because it was on Netflix, but two, um, this was actually the first horror movie that I ever saw. Mm-hmm. And I saw it at an age that is far too young to see Children of the Corn. Um, I'm pretty sure I was staying at my grandma's house and my stepdad had it on TV and it had just started. And my mom was like, turn that off. Rachel's here. And he's like, oh, she's fine. It's Children of the Corn. Like, you know, the bad guys in the movie are kids, you know? So it's like, if anything, (laughs) she's going to be fine. Like we're we're the ones that need to be worried. You you gotta love eighties logic. Yeah. It's like, like, I remember him like arguing with my mom or making the argument to my mom. Like, uh, we're the ones that have got to be worried. Like, what if she watches it and gets some ideas? And for whatever reason, that's me. Sorry. That's okay. Go ahead. Are we good? Yeah, we're good. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so anyway, and my mom bought into it. She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. It should be fine. But I'm pretty sure I saw this movie when I was like six or seven. It was about the same time that the original Tim Burton Batman came out on VHS. And my uncle bought it and we all watched it. And I thought that was cool. And then like that same weekend, I think it was a holiday weekend, somebody was watching Children of the Corn. I think the original Tim Burton came out. So like 89. Yeah, like 89. So I must have been like five or six. So that's pretty young. Mm -hmm. And um, because that was sort of the first horror movie I ever saw, and it didn't scare me. I wasn't scared when I saw it. Yeah. Um, probably because like the, the scary things in it were children and it, kids didn't scare me. It's not especially bloody or gory. It's, it's not really too, there's like one gory kind of bloody part at the beginning, but it's really not fright terrifying. Yeah. And then, um, because it was, it, it, you know, caught me when I was very, um, impressionable. Um, I ended up watching every iteration, every sequel of Children of the Corn and all of them were straight to DVD or straight to VHS, straight to DVD. Yeah. And I think they finally stopped coming out with them sometime when I was in high school. But every time I go to the video store or whatever, whenever there was like a new Children of the Corn in the horror movie section, I would just watch the next one. And they're all as terrible as you would imagine. They all involve kids. Um, but it was cool to watch it with you because I learned some things about the the mythos um, mm-hmm. behind it that I didn't learn before. Yeah. And um, I actually read the short story. So Children of the Corn is based off of a short story. Um, in a collection uh, called Night Shift that Stephen King has, and that's also the collection that um, The Lawnmower Man is in and Salem's Lot. And so a lot of his very good short stories are in there. Yeah. Um, Which, here's the other interesting fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I, I own a copy of the book, Night Shift. It is in front of us. And I've never read Children of the Corn. Yeah, so actually, um, funny enough, before we even decided that we were going to talk about horror movies on like the next podcast, mm-hmm. I was doing some very monotonous work at my job. And it was something where I didn't have, I could be listening to a thing while I was doing it on the computer. Mm-hmm. And um, I was looking for audiobooks that were for free on YouTube. And I, I, the first, one of the first things that I came across that I was interested in was Children of the Corn on audiobook. So, Earlier in October, I actually listened to the story again. And the movie and the story, there is there is some difference. So, I don't know. Do you want to kind of talk about 
for people, you know, spoiler alerts, this movie came out in like 81 or well, something. Hey, here's like a really cool magical thing that I can do oh, because of the modern technology. Let's and, do it. And uh, let's uh, just prepare your speakers. I don't know how loud this is going to be. So, um, but uh, we're, we're recording in a different location. Um, in in a different location in our apartment, right? So, <laughs> uh, not like in some new fangled place, right. but so we're Every actually pulling up. Oh, here's the trailer. Running through dark. the corn. The unknown. Oh, no. The nightmare in Gatlin, Nebraska. That nightmare is in the corn. <laughs> Stephen King's Children of the Corn. Spooky children. Yeah. Spooky children chopping things. Spooky children in the church. Okay, yeah. so um, yeah, this this also has uh, Linda Hamilton. Yeah, and in I, it. Linda Hamilton before she was in Terminator. Yeah, so, so I think this movie came out just like a couple of weeks or a couple of months before Terminator. Oh, really? Yeah, so she doesn't play like a heroic character in this movie. She plays kind of like a little bit of a damsel in distress. Yeah, uh, she does play a damsel in distress. Yeah. yeah. So this this movie um, combines a number of key elements that I really enjoy about horror movies. Mm -hmm. So I, me as a person, I, I really like horror, but I don't like horror because I am going into them looking to be scared. Mm -hmm. um, I was kind of raised on this type of campy 80s horror. Mm -hmm. And so this, this combines a bunch of elements. Um, an asshole hero. <laughs> yeah, super asshole hero. Right, like he's a complete like I I when I first started watching this I was like, "Oh, that guy's going to get killed and Linda Hamilton's going to because I was peppered by my Terminator yeah. goggles, right?" I was like, "Oh, that's that's I know that actress." Boy, were you wrong. Yeah, I was wrong. <laughs> but this combines a number of elements that I enjoy that are very common in Stephen King material as well. Uh religious zealots. Yep. And creepy kids. Creepy kids. You can't have a Stephen King movie without at least one creepy kid. Right, right. Yeah. And an, and an asshole main character that is like really flawed and you don't want to get behind. Yeah. So do you want to give like a brief synopsis of the movie just yeah. for people who have not so, seen it before? Yeah, totally. Also, it's a little weird because... Um, so. They don't. They don't really give you a lot of information at the beginning. It's just like they paint this picture that, f for whatever reason, there there was like problems in this little small town in Nebraska, uh, where like the crops are dying, right? Right. And one day, all of the children just like rise up and kill all of, all of the adults, and it looks like there's kind of like a cult sort of thing happening. Uh -huh. Right. And uh, you don't really know why it happens, but, you know, all of the kids aren't aren't involved, but all of the adults get killed. Mm -hmm. And so there's this brother and sister that are like the the narrator of the movie. Like this little boy is like the narrator, but like he's not really the hero of the story. Right. So it's kind of like it's a little off kilter and it doesn't. It kind of, like, for me, it was a little off-putting. It, like, kind of fucked up the tone of the movie, right? Right. It's hard to understand when the kids come into it whose perspective the movie's right, from. Right, right, yeah. exactly. That that was kind of an issue. But but 
also it wasn't because mm-hmm. it's very stereotypical of that era like right. movies that are just kind of like pushed out very rapidly without a lot of like deep thought into things like okay whose perspective is this movie from and like what is the tone of this film it's kind of just like here it cost us six hundred thousand dollars shut the fuck up and watch it yeah people are gonna go see it because stephen king is a known entity and they're gonna pay money for it so it doesn't matter how shitty of a job we do or how much we stick to his source material no and in 1984 he was like huge yeah basically you slap his name on anything and it's people are gonna see it so So, what what i'm gonna do from here on out is i'm going to as much as i can point out differences between the short story and the movie mm -hmm. not that anyone really cares like the book was better it's not that the book is better but it's just there are some pretty big differences right and uh so uh all of the adults get killed and then the rest of the children sort of get like taken into this cult and they don't really tell you a lot about this cult other than it seems very much like, like a, um, you know, all technology sort of uh, ignored and um, like it's very like deep in the woods religious cult. Right, and and it, he wrote this probably in the seventies, and it, the movie came out in the early to mid eighties. So really, there was no, there were no cell phones, there was no internet. Right. So it's it's conceivable. You can buy into it pretty easily that at this point in time, there probably were really isolated small towns and parts of the United States that could be completely isolated from other parts of the country. You know, I I have to tell you, even like driving from Chicago to Indianapolis Uh a couple of times that I drove. There's some deliverance moments. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There there is like (laughs) there are some some deep pockets of humanity just driving, you know, the couple hundred miles Mm -hmm. from state to state. Like you get out into some rural areas. Right. So anyways, all the adults get killed. The the kids are, are uh, there's like three kids that it seems like aren't part of the cult. Like they must be the nerdy kids that nobody wants to be around. Um, and one of them's like, I'm going to, f- I'm, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to go flee. And you just keep a lookout. And the one, <laughs> the one little girl's like, there's nobody looking go now. And yeah. I was like, well, now they're going to be just like shouting. Yeah. You know? You're safe. No one's watching. <laughs> right. And so the, the kid, the older kid, is like, all right, I'm going to get out of here, and I'm going to go get help, and I'll come back. And uh, so he he runs through the cornfield, and we're kind of given that that odd supernatural kind of setting. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I need something to fidget with because I, I, have, I have a hand problem. Yeah. <laughs> I just, Nathan was fiddling with the cord to the mic, and I handed him a pen so he could be settled. Yeah. Um, so uh, the kid basically gets killed. Um, something attacks him or someone attacks him in the corn. And, um, we're at this point, we're not really given any indication of a supernatural aspect to this, but it's a Stephen King story. So we can kind of make that leap of logic that, you know, at some point something supernatural is going to happen. Um, but anyways, a kid runs into the road after being like horribly attacked, I guess like his throat was slit or something. Yeah, he was like basically like his throat was slit and he was pushed out into the road. But before that, we, we meet like the the main character and his girlfriend, or what I thought was the main character and her shitty boyfriend. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, they're, they're going on some journey. He's going to be a doctor or something. Yeah, so, so the, in, the, in the movie, he has just finished medical school, and mm-hmm. he's, they're traveling to Seattle from somewhere on the eastern part of the country. Right. To, they're going to Seattle on the western part of the country, and they're driving through the United States to get there. And he is 
just finished med school, going to start a residency somewhere out there. And they're going, they're moving together. And then like, you get the impression that she's kind of pressuring him like, hey, when are we going to get married? Like we've been together and you're, you know, you're done with school. And then in the story, the biggest difference actually tonally between the movie and the book is the relationship of these two characters. Um, In the book, they're a couple who's been married for like a while, uh-huh. like a, like 15, 20 years. And the dude is, is a Vietnam vet. And he and his wife have just been, they're just bickering and like they're taking this road trip to visit friends out on the West Coast. And they're both kind of hoping that this road trip and this vacation out west will save their marriage. But when you're trapped in a car with someone for days, you quickly find out whether your marriage is going to last. And so by the time that they encounter this boy whose throat was slit and pushed out onto the road, they both hate each other and they're for sure getting a divorce. Like they're like ready to end it. And so there's a lot more conflict between these two characters in the story. And also they're a bit older than the characters in the movie, but it's like, it's a Hollywood horror movie. Like you got to have young, attractive people in it, but the story is from the man's perspective. So it's still the same kind of main character. Right. Um, And you, I, so I, I erroneously assumed that uh, um, Linda Hamilton's character was like the main character. Mm -hmm. And uh, part of the reason why was because like the, the male counterpart, like the, the protagonist of the story was just like such a jerk. Yeah. He was just like such a douchebag. He was kind of an arrogant jerk. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this guy seems like the type of character you'd kill off right away. Kind of like your stereotypical, like entitled white guy in right. any movie. Just right. kind of like the guy that you, you know, that the underdog is always fighting or like a bully. Like he just was not relatable at all. You didn't right. want him to succeed. Oh, yeah. He would just seem like a jerk. Um, so. Anyways, they they they're in the car, they're driving, and um, they plow into this this little kid. Just run him the fuck. Just over. run him the fuck over uh, in the middle of the street um, because they're bickering back and forth and like kind of arguing in the car, and um, you know, then they stop and dude gets out and he's like, oh, you know, he, he runs over to investigate the body. And I guess he he discovers that the kid's throat was slit. So it's like, I guess he gets off, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I didn't slit anybody's throat, but I did kill the child whose throat was slit with right. my car. Um, and uh, I, uh, I don't remember. I think he, like, like wraps him up in a blanket or something like that. Anyway, he, he takes him out of the road. Yeah. And so he's freaked out because he's like, yeah, there's, you know, this kid wandered out into the street and he's dressed in, like, these these like Amish clothing. Right. And you know what the hell is going on? So uh, I believe he puts the kid in the trunk, right? right? He like puts him in the trunk and, and so they start driving again, trying to find a place to like bring this kid. Right. Uh, but also like he sees that the kid's throat is slit. And so he's like worried and suspicious. Like whoever just killed this kid and pushed him into the road is probably still around mm, watching us. Mm-hmm. So they hurry up and get get the hell out right. of there, and they're trying to get to um, like a town or something. Right, and uh, so they, I, I remember they stop at like a um, like a gas station, like a auto mechanic shop. Uh, you know, very stereotypical like little shop on the side of the road with two gas pumps and a guy in a tow truck. Right, mm-hmm. and uh, they're like, "Yeah, we need to get gas or whatever." And 
Um, the guy is like a um, an older gentleman, and he's just no help. He's like, we ain't got no gas. Go fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to want to drive like 20 miles down that way. And uh, I, I believe, for whatever reason, the name of the town that um, all the adults were killed in. Yes, Gatlin. Gatlin. Like, they, they keep seeing signs for it right but someone's clearly fucked with all the signs so they get lost and they end up going in a circle and going back to the gas station where the old man was right and then so then the the guy the protagonist gets frustrated and he's like finally just like screw this i'm going to the other city or the other town and then one thing leads to another and they end up in like downtown gatlin right and uh this town is a ghost town essentially Mm -hmm. and by this time we're kind of introduced fully to the concept that there is this, this town is just like, it's populated by children and the children are, um, they're like worshiping God, but with like a little G. Yeah. Um, cause it's not really God. It's this entity that like lives in the cornfield. Right. Right. Um, and I think, I think that the, the, what they call him is like, he who waits behind the rose. He who walks behind he the rose. He walks behind the rose. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I had never read Stephen King, uh, or I'd never read the, I've read Stephen King. Uh, I've never read this story. Literally behind me, there's every Stephen King. Book. Right. Right. Yeah. I, <laughs> I was like, I've never read Stephen King except that's the whole point I'm making is that I have, um, I've never read that story in this book and I'd never seen this movie or any of the children of the corn movies, but I was familiar with the name. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. And this was where I learned something and I'm glad I watched it with you because I have been reading spoiler alert, the dark tower book one, the gunslinger. Mm -hmm. And we will talk about that on our future podcast. Yeah. But um, so I'm learning about the man in black and the main bad guy and source of evil in that book. And Nathan informed me that this character may be uh, a main character in Stephen King's universe named Randall Flagg. Um, Randall Flagg is kind of like the the uh, he's just like this ever present evil Mm-hmm. This guy that, um, at, you know, he goes by many names, right? And right. Um, basically, he's the villain in uh, The Stand. He's the villain in uh, Eyes of the Dragon. And he's referenced in dozens of other books. He's a very important figure in the Gunslinger books. And if you are a Stephen King nerd like I am, then you know that all of his worlds kind of interact through the Gunslinger. Right through Midworld, and th- this uh, this name, this concept is one that uh, it's never overtly stated that he is he who walks behind the rose, mm-hmm. but it's like it's pretty common knowledge that like yeah. They're well, one the you same. were able to figure it out. So when they're talking about he who walks behind the rose, basically this evil entity that's influenced all of these children to kill the adults and make sacrifices so the corn can grow. Mm-hmm. You're, you whisp, you lean over to me and whisper, you're like, he who walks behind the rose is the man in black. And I'm like, <laughs> what? And then we pause the movie and he like Googles it and he's like, see? And I'm like, yeah. oh my God, you're right. Like Stephen King's, all of his books are basically, well, most of his books are probably taking place in the same universe, like in his brain. Yeah. So they're all interconnected, which is like a whole other level of genius. Like Stephen King is a genius. 
like not only is he just like a prolific writer who's like very popular and writes genre fiction and like I don't know why anyone would shit on him for that because he writes genre fiction but I'm sure there's some literary snobs that are like well it's not literature but he's a genius like he really is a creative genius Mm -hmm. and like that's just like further proof that you can write all of these books and they're all kind of taking place in the same world in your mind but that you can they're all so distinct and separate that like Unless you were like Nate and a huge Stephen King fan, you probably would never know that or care to know that. Right, right. So, yeah. So um, the the uh, the the two main characters uh, they end up in this town in Gatlin, and um, I believe it's just like the, you know they roll up and it's a ghost town, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because the kids are not living like. Uh, they're not like, oh, we're having fun. All the adults are gone. Like they're living like the Amish, essentially. Yeah. They're living like a weird religious cult of children. And then uh, I don't remember the uh, like the the main bad guy's name. Isaac. I think. Um, like and, the little guy. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the, uh, so we we get introduced to the kids and to the the cult, and there's like this leadership struggle between two main characters. And I guess one of them's name is Isaac. The other one's name is Malachi. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's not a telling name at all. But um, <laughs> so Isaac, um, you know, I'm watching this and I'm like, wow, that that kid can fucking act. Yeah, it was a good actor. Right. Yeah. I was like, oh, man, that that kid like that. That doesn't seem like a that seems like too adult. And it turns out that's because he's not a kid. Right. He was a, a little person right. who like he had a. Um, he didn't have dwarfism. I believe he had like a, like a pituitary or a, go, a gonadal dwarfism or something like that that just made him smaller. Yeah. Um. But he wasn't like a. I don't know how to. And I think it's like achondroplastia. I'm not sure. But the type of dwarf dwarfism that we think of, like with, um, Warwick Davis who played Willow. But he was he was basically like, a dwarf who, just was a smaller version of an adult. Right. So right. he looked like a child. Um. But. He was obviously like he was an adult because he was older. Right. He's, but, he's like the same age as my parents. Yeah, he's like probably in his sixties now. Right. So in the eighties he would have been in his thirties. Right. Um, but yeah, like Nate pointed out, and I'm like, Yeah, he does kind of in the face a look a little bit older than the rest of the teenagers. And then we looked it up and yeah, he's like an older actor. Um, but yeah, he can act. He did it. He like acted the shit out of that role. Like, I mean, there's not bad acting in this movie. It's just a cheesy movie. Yeah. It's, uh, the only, the only acting that I would say that is really off putting, uh, is the, like the kids that are not evil. Yeah. Who, who like, it was really weird to me. Right. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to give spoilers away, but, uh, um, you know, there's a boy and his sister and they're not in on the cult for whatever reason, but they're like kind of pushed into the cult because they're kids. But the the one boy is the narrator. Yeah. And he doesn't really seem to have that important of a role. Right. And he's not like a really strong factor. No. And like neither of them were like, I don't think natural child actors no. like they weren't like a drew barrymore or no like but um so the reason you may not have picked up on it because you've not seen it a hundred times like i have but the reason that they're kind of on the outside is because if you remember at the beginning of the movie like they're saying like they went to church but none of the other kids were in church that day it was right. it takes the, right. all the adults get slaughtered on a sunday right well none of the other kids in the town were at church that day they were all in the cornfield with isaac mm-hmm. so there was some kind of like 
hoodoo that was happening in the cornfield with he who walks behind the rose, kind of like either revealing himself or there was some ritual. And so all the other kids in the, in the town are part of this cult. Like they've been indoctrinated. They've seen who he walks behind the rose and they were, and his sister, the little girl was at home sick. And so like this little brother and sister duo, they weren't in the field that the day that he who walks behind the rose revealed himself. So they're like never fully bought in to the cult right? because whatever, you know, voodoo was worked on all the other kids in the town slash, you know, they weren't, they weren't influenced by whatever this event was. And they referred mm-hmm. to it a couple of times throughout the movie. Like you will accept your questioning because you were not there the day he who walks behind the rose revealed himself yeah. or something like yeah. that. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I agree. They're not great actors, those kids. But also I, I didn't feel like they really had much importance to the film either. And I don't believe they were in the story. The short story. Yeah, they, they. I don't think so. Anyway, they seemed like, um, they just seemed like they were added, um, but like they and like they were only added so that like we the audience could see things that happened prior, you know. Um, but but, but like, even that's not necessary. No, like they could have just had like they could have had the whole scene of all the adults being slaughtered without those two little kids. Right. And also I feel like those two little kids didn't really, we didn't need to know their story because like, I I just don't feel like they added to the story at all. But anyways, um, there is conflict amongst the ranks of the, the corn cult and (laughs) Malachi. Malachi is like a big ginger kid. He's just like this. He, and he like, he looks like really familiar. Like he's been in other stuff, but I couldn't place him. Um, but, uh, I think he's a character actor. He has been in some other films as an adult, but yeah, here and there. Right. He's like the biggest kid. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, I, I believe like when you turn 18, you're, you're like sent off into the corn, right? right. Like you you're, get eaten, you're, you're sacrificed. sacrificed. Yeah. Um, but Malachi's like the bit, he's not, he's not 18, mm-hmm. but he's like the biggest kid. Right. right. And he's like the toughest and kind of, he decides to usurp, uh, Isaac's leadership and, um, you know, he's very warlike. And so, you know, he, he gathers his forces and, uh, um, Isaac is adamant that, uh, you know, that he's going to be punished for what he's doing because, you know, he's, he speaks with the voice of he who walks behind the rose and like that, that term comes up a lot, almost to a fault where you're like, all right, we get it. Like, yeah. Somebody walks behind the rose of corn. We 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 get it. We understand. Right. Um <clears throat> and then there's a lot of running around and a lot of fighting and injury. Yep. And Linda Hamilton gets gets got. Does she die? Does she die? No, That's, she doesn't die, but she she, she gets, gets up. she gets kidnapped, remember? Oh, yeah, 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 and she gets yeah. like put on a corn crucifix. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot yeah. So <laughs> there's a lot of that going on. Then they have to go rescue her. Yeah. Um remember what happens at the end i don't i don't so th- like at the end <laughs> like they're fighting to eventually the kids get so scared because malachi ends up putting isaac on a corn crucifix mm-hmm. and then he who walks behind the rose comes and like takes isaac but he doesn't he like turns isaac into this like scary yeah, ghost he, like, creature he, like, possesses possesses isaac. him yeah and then isaac comes back to like seek revenge on Malachi and then all the kids are like oh shit like this is like we we're not bought into this cult anymore once Isaac turns into like this possessed demon and then uh it's like 
there's a whirlwind and it seems like there's a tornado happening, but what's actually happening is is that he who walks behind the rose is coming out of the cornfield yeah. and like a giant cloud of demon dust oh, yeah, to like yeah, yeah. attack all of the kids and kill them. And the solution is is well if we burn the cornfield will kill yeah, right, right, whatever right. this yeah. creature is. They filled the sprinklers with with fuel. Yeah, and... they filled they filled the corn, like the irrigation system with gas and then they like, you know, threw a Molotov cocktail into the field and burned all the corn. And then at the end, Linda Hamilton and her douchey, you know, maybe fiance someday, right. doctor, boyfriend, end up taking the the kids the two little kids who weren't evil. <laughs> we, we adopt them. They it's adopt just, them and take them to the, Seattle. Yeah, it's just that easy. Yeah, it's just that easy. You can yeah. come stay with us. Yeah. We'll be your we, parents. We won't have to explain anything to anyone no, as to where you no, came you, from. We or, don't need your birth certificate no. or social security number. We'll just, you'll mm-hmm. just be ours now. You know, like in the movies. Yeah, and it really is so stupid because it's like, everything's happily ever after. Right, right. <laughs> it's, uh, but it's, a lot of people, I think, would would watch this with modern eyes, and they'd go, "This is just not. This, there's nothing good about this." Uh, I disagree. Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah, I want to hear what you thought. Yeah. So this was definitely cheesy '80s horror, mm-hmm. right? And it's not. It's you know, it's not really horror in in this. It's not like a slasher flick. It's not like blood, guts, and gore, but is full of like religious fanaticism, and really. Um, kind of cheesy special effects mm-hmm. and um i i got done watching it and i was really pleased that i had seen it uh oh, I, good. I really i enjoyed it immensely even though and maybe because of like how bad good it was yeah yeah so it's bad right yeah um and anybody listening that's that should be your takeaway it's not it's not a good movie no. <laughs> it's it's not but it but it is in the sense that it is fun. Mm-hmm. It's there. Don't put a lot of thought into it. Nope. And just enjoy it for what it is, which is just like, it's bad in the same way that like Rawhead Rex is bad. And I don't think you've seen or heard of that. But I've heard of it, but I've not it, seen it. That's a, that's like an early, um, Clive Barker film mm-hmm. that, uh, like Bob and I are, are really into, we really enjoy, but it's like, it's not good. Mm-hmm. It's by any stretch of the imagination. It's like some ancient evil arises and, you know, like marauds across the countryside. That's basically the same premise here. Here, Here's the thing that like really makes it bad for me is that it's not self-aware and how bad it is. (laughs) It's like Evil Dead is very self-aware and how cheesy and kitschy it is. And it probably was made around the same time as either like the first or second Evil Dead. I, you know, I know there's a difference. I can't remember what they're called Um, with Bruce Campbell. Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. Yeah, Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. (laughs) Well, because there's like, didn't they remake the first one? It's like the cabin, and then the so, girl gets like raped by the tree, but then they make the exact same movie in the cabin. So Evil Dead 2 is like a loose remake gotcha. slash sequel. That's a that's a whole series of movies that's really hard to follow. Yeah. Well, I've seen a couple of them. I can't keep them straight, but it's not. Okay, so that's the point I'm trying to make is very, in a very roundabout way that I'm failing to do, is that it's about that same time frame was right. made as Evil Dead. Whereas Evil Dead, you can watch and still like get behind and enjoy because it, it is so cheesy and campy, mm-hmm. but it knows that it's cheesy and campy and over the top and ridiculous. Right. <clears throat> Children of the Corn. 
mm-hmm. does not know uh, no, that it is cheesy. No. When this movie came out in like 1980, whatever, yeah. like people were like, no, this is serious. You need right, to, this right. is like children of the corn. But then like probably as little as four years later, people were like, bitch. <laughs> well, you know, I, I have to admit, um, I, I saw every weakness of this film, but these films are exactly what I like. Yeah. Um, that, that it, it hits every beat for me. It has, you know, all of those, those things. It has the weird religious, the shitty special effects. It's very eighties. It's not self-aware. It's a little, um, you know, there's, there's certain aspects of the film where you're like, oh, that wouldn't fly today. You know, like, you know, things like that, you know, like very damsel and distressy. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't necessarily with a modern mind look favorably upon those things. However, like I really enjoy old cheesy shitty horror and that's what this is. And it's Stephen King, which I enjoy. And it's, uh, it is, uh, in an era where basically everything that had Stephen King's name on it was kind of terrible. Like it was a little terrible. Um, yeah, like the, he, there was there was that sweet spot in the eighties where like the movies got really bad. Yeah. Like there you had the movies that came out in the seventies, like your Shining, your Cujo, that were classics and they're amazing because they had good directors and they did pretty good right. adaptations of his stories. And then you later on you had um oh, oh oh what's the one with Kathy Bates? Misery. Misery, and that was really good. Yeah. And then you had like just this whole renaissance of Stephen King movies from the nineties, like the green mile and yeah. And like, those were all amazing and really good, but this is very much like in it. it the, like it's not well, the best. And, and, and even it's different. It, it, it is uh, regarded by a lot of people as very classic, but this is like maximum overdrive. Like that, this is the same level of like, th- this is that era. This yeah. is very cocaine. Yeah, it, well, it's just clear that they knew it was going to make money, no matter how much effort they put into right. it. So they put the minimal amount of effort right. into it. They didn't. They didn't spend a lot of time writing. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so not only did I enjoy this, but now I'm going to go see all of the other Children of the Corns that I can find on Netflix. And... <laughs> I don't think you really. I really don't think you should. It's not. <laughs> it's like it's not even. It's not worth your time. Like I wouldn't. I don't. I like, don't know that you can make that distinguish uh, that that statement. I mean, I know. There's so much good, amazing content out there that is classic, that is worth your time. The Children of the Corn, like two through seven. Isn't there one where there's like a bunch of little blonde haired children? Oh, no, no. That's not Children of the Corn. That's Village of the Damned. Oh, damn. see. Well, now we got to watch Village of the Damned. Yeah, that's also a series I've never watched. Yeah, Mark Hamill's in that. Yeah, I've never seen uh, those. I think uh, Superman's in that too, before he died. <laughs> Before he like fell off a horse, Clark Kent. No, not Clark Kent. <laughs> What's his name? I can't uh, remember Christopher any Reeve. Christopher Reeve. I can't yeah. remember anybody's name today. I'm really right. struggling. So, anyways, uh, Children of the Corn. I enjoyed it, um, and yeah. I've been. Would I've you been, watch it again? I I will watch it again. Yes. All right. Yeah. Cool. So then I Nate uh, pulled up Phantasm for me, which I had never heard of. I went into it knowing nothing about it. I wanted to ask him, what 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 should I expect? Prepare me for this, and I but I didn't. I I held back because I really wanted it to be. I wanted to go into it with virgin eyes. Well, and it's hard to even like begin to prepare you for oh, this. I definitely learned that. 
So are you going to maybe play yeah, the trailer? I'm going to just play, play a little a bit snippet. of the, the trailer. Um, obviously, this isn't video, but uh, right. you, know, you can hear a little bit of it here. So. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. This yeah, is this old. is a trailer from 1979. I, I tried to find crap. the oldest one. I do like the music from the movie. Mm -hmm. It's very creepy. Phantasm. Is it a nightmare? Spooky. Phantasm. Is it an illusion? He's a creepy Phantasm. guy. Is it an evil? <laughs> I love that fucking feathery hair. Yeah, that 70s hair. You have to take me home. What? what? No questions. You must take me home. You must take me home. Yeah. Phantasm. Is it a fantasy? I gotta say, the uh. I love the sound in the movie, and I love the music. Definitely. Phantasm. Even the trailer's off-putting. Is it alive? And really long too. Yeah, it's very yeah. long. But like, so the the trailer is is kind of. I don't feel like trailers anymore. You can like watch the trailer and you're like, oh, I don't need to see the movie now. But this, the trailer really does capture what you go through in the movie. Because spoiler alert, I watched the movie at the beginning to the end. And not once in through the whole movie did I know what the fuck was happening. Yeah, so that's the weird thing about this movie. Um, all right, so I'll give you a little bit of background. Yeah. Um, I first saw Phantasm 2 when I was a kid. Uh-huh. And um, it was a movie that uh, I watched, I don't know, I, maybe I was 11, 10 or 11 years old. And I watched it with my parents. And... Um, it was very creepy and it was one of those movies that like stuck with me, um, for a number of reasons. And so having seen the the second one first, when I got older, I was like, well, I need to go back and see the first one. Cause I want to know where it started. And the first movie, this phantasm is totally different than the second one in so many ways. It's like a completely different movie. Um, the first one, uh, it's hard to follow really what's going on in this movie. The second movie is kind of like, it's almost like a post-apocalyptic film, right? Okay. And the first one takes place in a small unknown town mm -hmm. and um, the main character, Mike's parents die. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the funeral, we learn, we learn a little bit about Mike, right? Mike is uh, kind of an explorer and, um, you know, he's, he doesn't like follow the rules. He kind of just goes where he wants. Are you talking about the second movie? I'm talking the about first... the first one. Okay. So, so, uh, we'll not get into the second one cause the second one is totally different. Like okay. the second one, if we sat down and watched it, you'd be like, oh, okay, like this is not hard to follow. Right. The first one though, it's, we listened to a little bit of the, of the trailer there and it does a really good job of setting up what we're going to be watching in so far as it doesn't give you any answers and just asks a bunch of questions. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. And it's like, you, you, I watched it and I mean, 
throughout and afterwards, I was like, was that a horror movie? Was it a sci-fi movie? Was it a fantasy movie? Like, yeah. was it a thriller? Yeah. Like, I couldn't pin it down. So it, it's, uh, at its core, it's essentially about this, this guy that they call the tall man, right? And yeah. And he's like the funeral director or whatever. And... There seems to be that that he is stealing bodies from the ground and like doing something with them. But like they give you the the strong uh, intonation that the tall man is there's something supernatural about him. Like he's able to lift a coffin by himself and and um you know it he's just very unsettling. And he is portrayed by Angus Scrim, who uh, basically is just known for this role as the tall man. His name is Angus Scrim. That's his name. That straight Angus up Scrim. sounds like a Harry Potter character. <laughs> right. I'm right. going to go to Diagon Alley and purchase Hogs Ward from Angus Scrim. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this and and this actor was was kind of old in, yeah. in when this movie came out. Yeah, so. I mean, he's probably in his 50s. Yeah, 60s. yeah, he he's he was a bit of an older gentleman at the time, and uh, I think he lived to be into his early nineties. He just recently passed away. Oh, okay. Um, but he's known for this role, and so the story is about Mike and his brother Jody and uh, their friend, the ice cream man, mm-hmm. um, as they go and try to discover what the hell is going on with this tall man. And in, in the process of that, he meets with like a psychic and, and they discover that like these bodies are being stolen and there's like these little like, like Jawa, like, like basically they're taking human beings and compressing them down and like reanimating them and using them as slaves in another dimension. Right. Maybe. We think. (laughs) We don't know. Right. And then the other, the other key element is that there's these balls, these like uh, chrome silver balls that the tall man uses. And I, I have to tell you, in this movie, kind of cheesy. In the second movie, they're done like there's there's more budget, right? Mm-hmm. So they they look a lot better. Um, the one of the key things about this movie, um, I believe it was the first movie that Don Coscarelli did. Um, he's the director of the movie and I believe the writer of the movie and it was done on a fairly low budget mm-hmm. and it's just kind of like a weird tripped out movie. Yeah. Um, but you, you, it doesn't, it's hard to follow. It's super hard to follow. Yeah. And it doesn't really follow a traditional narrative. No, it doesn't. Um, and uh, I'll tell you this, uh, for me, this is a classic movie that I enjoy immensely because it's weird and it's unsettling and it doesn't make a lot of sense. But I liked the story as a whole, right? This, this is another one where it goes through like five films. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, again, I started on the second film and, um, I went back and watched the first film and because I, I enjoyed the second film. I really wanted to know how we got to where we were from the first film because that weird, like inconsistency shit. Right. That, that kind of continues throughout this whole series. Okay. And you never really know what the hell is going on. Right. So there's always like that mystery, like it never answers anything. Right. So yeah. I'd like to hear like from your perspective, like, you know, what did you, what was your experience with this movie? Sure. So I started watching it alone. Um, and uh, I remember I sat down to watch it. 
I was eating some dinner and uh, the movie started. <clears throat> the first thing I, I like, <laughs> I was like, oh, it's just going to be a stereotypical horror movie from like the 70s or 80s because it starts with two people having sex in a graveyard. And I'm first like, the, my first thought is like, ew, chiggers, uh, tr- <laughs> like gross, like don't have sex outside without a blanket. Um, but yeah, it's two people having sex in a graveyard, but then the woman gets on top of the guy and he's all like into that. And then she stabs him and, um, and I'm like, Oh weird. And then like, it cuts to like, I guess probably like a week later and Jody, the older brother and his buddy, who's the ice cream guy, uh, are Reggie. At, Reggie are at mm-hmm. this guy's funeral. And like the, the, you know, cause of death is determined to be suicide for, for however reason. Right. And you're like, okay, well, we know it wasn't suicide because he got got by this chick in the graveyard. Who we never figure out, learn who she is. But right. she's somehow related to the tall man, but we don't learn how she who she is. And then like um Mike is like Jody's younger brother, and because their parents died a couple years prior, Mike is really like a like clingy to Jody. Right. And so even though Mike is like probably 13, 14 years old, he still sneaks around and follows Jody everywhere he goes because he, you know, and, and Jody's kind of like, Oh, this kid needs to be more independent or whatever. And Jody has aspirations of traveling with his band again. And like, so it's a whole thing. And like, that's where I'm like, okay, I know what the story is now. I think I know where things are going. Uh, okay. And then like, some weird shit happens. Jody sees the tall man lift a coffin by himself. And he's like, what the hell? And then like, I honestly can't give a synopsis of the movie from that point, because at that point it goes off the rails. Like there's a weird sci-fi element where there's a floating orb with a scalpel on it that drains blood from people when it hits them. And then there's like a horror element where there's like a weird, um, finger that turns into a demon that like ends up flying around the room and biting people like (laughs) like like mike gets the the tall or like some ghoul of the tall man is after him and mike slams his hand in a door and chops off his fingers and then he takes one of the fingers back to prove to jody that he's not crazy that something weird is going on and then the fingers like moving in the box and jody's like okay i believe you that's fucked up and then like the finger turns into a like a little like demon which is essentially a little like little black thing with a mouth and ends up like nah, 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 coming after them. And then Reggie gets involved and and then they're like, well, what are we going to do? And then the next thing you know, there's like a dead body in Reggie's ice cream truck. And then there's some girls involved that they're going to watch Mike while Jody and Reggie go off and do a thing. And it was like they kept trying to like work towards going back to the mausoleum to like get with the tall man who like, and I know that this is probably annoying to listen to because you're like, well, Rachel, what's the deal with this movie? I don't know. Right. I watched it (laughs) for like two hours. Nate got up and sat with me and watched the second half of it. And I was like, I am like, I'm not even confused. I'm just like, I'm trying. And and, and I wasn't like bored because nothing was happening. Things were happening, but they just didn't make any sense. What was going on? Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing about this movie. Like, um, I, I, again, I really enjoy this movie. It's like a it's it's a movie that I will love forever. However, watching it now again, watching it with you, um, and and I guess you know sometimes you rewatch things and you have to like admit certain things to yourself, like oh this isn't as good as as like at at a point in my life it seemed really good, and now I'm kind of like mm, but is it? But well, but here's the thing. Well, let me just stop you real quick. Mm-hmm. I 
enjoyed what I watched. Right. You shouldn't feel like you have to defend why well, you like it or go back and say, oh, well, maybe it's not as good as no, I thought. No, no, no. But, so, that's, but that's that's why I'm, I'm going here. That's okay. why I prefaced it with, I really, really enjoy this movie and it's right. really super important to me. However, right. now that I'm a bit more evolved in my brain, yeah. what I see when I watch this is I see someone... There was a movie that was made by someone who had really great ideas. Yeah. The like musically, it's like it creates this sense of dread. Oh, and this, yeah. And this like this like weird, like creepy crawly feeling. I almost wish I could could have watched it in surround sound because I think the music and the sound is a big part yeah. of the experience. It, of the it movie. needs to be watched on like a good TV. However, one thing that I I I felt as I watched this again was that it was an individual who made a movie who had a lot of ideas but didn't have a foundation set for like rules of their world. Okay. Like, like it was a lot of different scenes that were designed to be very creepy, but there was a lot of incoherency in the actual execution of this film. That's yes, you're absolutely right. Because then after we kind of start to go down the path of it being supernatural and like occultish, then there's a whole otherworldly science fiction part that's brought into it, like interdimensional stuff. And then, like, you're left with, like, kind of one of those soprano moments, like, oh, it was all a dream, but no, then you're talk, you're turned back, and it wasn't all a dream, and then, like, at the end, Mike ends up getting snatched through the wall of his bedroom, and the movie kind of ends, and you're like, what the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> and, I mean, it's right. it's not bad, and I enjoyed it, and perhaps it's because of the time it was made, and the style of dress, and the style of clothing. But it reminded me a little bit of Stranger Things uh-huh. in the tone, like that right. creepy thing. I don't know quite what's going on. Um, it, not in the story, but just like visually. Right. It reminded me of like that early to mid 80s. And because of that, something clicked in my brain where I was like, I feel like what I just watched was a real play where a storyteller or a GM (laughs) had a very intricate, in-depth story and had a whole world created. But his players, his or her players, only made decisions and choices to be able to experience snippets of that world. And because of the choices those characters made, we didn't get a cohesive, long story. We didn't get a chronicle. We didn't get a first, second, and third act. We just got scenes that these characters participated in. Right. And this like storyteller, GM, the director, uh, had a whole world played out, but he did not write a, you know, story for right. this world. Right. He wrote individual spooky, unsettling scenes that in chrono in chronology, but that were not connected to each other. Right. And I think that that's okay because the movie is good, but it's not like a first, third, you know, first, second, third act story. Right. It's like someone who was a genius created a world and tried their best with the amount of time and money they had to bring this world to life. Right. I, I like your, uh, your correlation between like a game master and this film because um, to me, like one of the major things that that I took away from this was uh, there wasn't they they hadn't decided upon a consistent set of rules. 
Mm-hmm. What can the tall man do? What is the tall man? Where does the tall man come from? Um, and it kind of seemed like what you said, where maybe they had, mm-hmm. but they just didn't have the ability to tell us the watcher. Right. And and I didn't ever feel like I was missing something. It wasn't like it was left for me to interpret. It was just never put in. <laughs> right. Yeah. There wasn't like, yeah, I actually, absolutely. Like, I didn't feel like I had to do work to interpret things mm-hmm. or to figure things out. But I really felt like, like, this is how this movie made me feel. I felt like I was, uh, and I've used this analogy for something else recently, but it's apt here too. I felt like I was in a dark room with a flashlight. And I could only use the flashlight five minutes at a time. And mm-hmm. when the flashlight went out, uh, it was dark for another five minutes. And then the flashlight would come on and it was light for five minutes. But in between those times that the flashlight was off, I had to remember where everything in the room was. So I was constantly having to like, take in information and retain it. But then I was completely in the dark on what was going on. And then like okay, something got explained or something made sense. And so right. I was given information that I had to retain, but then I was in the dark again. And there's, there's, it's just, it's the most, it's the most unique movie I've ever seen. Like, it's it, so yeah. strange. It, it's a weird one, but it's like, it's one of those things where for me, it, all of the, the elements combined make it really enjoyable. And what it did was it made me go, okay, I want to know more. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and, um, so like I, I want to know more about right. this world and, and, uh, there's an opportunity for you to have more questions about it. Um, <laughs> so they do, don't wrap, they don't clear anything up in the sequels. So this series of movies suffers from a lot of the same things that other horror series, uh, uh suffered from in the eighties and nineties where, um, it went from being independent to a studio acquiring it to it being independent again. And so like different people are involved. So in the second movie, um, there is a, a whole other element brought in because the second movie it's, it's many years later, I believe like the second one came out in the nineties. So there's oh, like, wow. there's that like, a, a yeah, gap. there's like a gulf in between those two. And in that time period, uh, they replace Mikey with uh, like a bigger name actor and they bring in this whole like psychic element to it. And um, the world is kind of like, again, like I said earlier, like almost post-apocalyptic. So basically the tall man has been like going across the the country and cultivating and it's like ghost towns everywhere. So it's kind of like turning it into a graveyard country. So it's, it's kind of weird. It's a, it's like, Totally very different. Right. Um, but interestingly enough, they keep Reggie. Okay. And so Mike still exists, but Mike is played by a different actor. And Reggie's played by the same actor. <laughs> right. And <laughs> like Reggie's probably so old at that point. Well, that's the thing. Reggie doesn't seem to like it, it's hard to tell how old he is. Oh, he suffers from the Patrick Stewart thing where he bald, he went bald so early in life that like he looks the same now as he did 20 years yeah, ago. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. You know, he loses all the hair on top and just keeps the fucking right. the ponytail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, Reggie's a little bit older. Um, and so, you know, of course they have to like explain away this weird thing that happened in the first movie where like, so to not to spoil this movie, but you know, again, it came out in 79. It's older than I am. If you haven't seen it by now, I'm sorry. Um, but at the end of the first movie, 
Um, Mikey's brother, Jody, uh, helps Mikey defeat the tall man by luring him into a mine shaft and dropping rocks on it. And then the scene shifts to Mikey being back home and Jody's dead. Yeah, it right. was all a dream. Right. So we have no idea. And then at the end of the movie, Mikey is like pulled through a mirror and like, you know, taken right. by the tall man. Um, but then like that's retconned. It, it it has a very like evil dead scenario. Like, okay. you're like, okay, what, what the fuck? Like you, you didn't really explain away like what happened in the first movie, but like you made it more confusing by your transition. So it suffers from that, that kind of scenario as well. Then the third movie, it's no longer, it like goes back to being independent, but it's like straight to video. Okay. Um, yeah. And then the fourth movie is also straight to video. And there's a lot of time that goes by between these films. But in the third movie, all the original actors come back. Oh, weird. Yeah. And then uh, in, in the fourth movie, uh-huh. all the original actors come back. And then in the fifth movie, it was like a movie that was made for YouTube. Okay. <laughs> and it is, it is one of the worst things I've ever seen put to film. Like, okay. like it is legitimately, um, we actually have a podcast, Bob and I recorded because both of us were like super hyped for this fifth movie to come out. We were like, oh, this is going to be super cool. And it is wall to wall shit. Yeah. It is, it is top to bottom hot garbage. Um, but it, it, it did have Angus Scriminant again before he passed away. It did have Reggie. So that was cool, but it's fucking filthy garbage. Yeah. Um, so you could get by by seeing the first through fourth movies, but you really want to see the second movie so that you have an idea of what this world can be like when it's told in a cohesive first, second, and third act style film. Gotcha. So, so really, I've kind of done you a disservice by showing you the first one first. Well, not really, though, because now I'm interested. Yeah. Now I really, I actually really intend to watch the second movie. Yeah. I mean, we're recording this a couple days before Halloween, but I don't have anything to do the evening of <laughs> Halloween except hang out with you. Right. So I figured we would just hang out and chill right. before you had to go to work and watch some horror movies. Yeah, and and uh, so we'll see the second one because I, I feel like you should be able to understand what this movie, what this series of movies looks like when like there's a little bit of money thrown at it. Right. Um, but the first one will always be a classic for me. And a lot of it has to do with the music and the sound. Yeah, the sound. That's the coolest thing about this movie. I agree. Um, I think the casting is good. The acting wasn't bad. It wasn't like amazing, but it wasn't bad. Right. Um, and uh, I, I mean, okay, on the whole, I did enjoy it be- because I was just like, what the fuck is like, I was like, I, I was engaged the whole time because I just really wanted to know what was going on and I was never sure what was going on. Um, I would probably watch it again if someone wanted to watch it. Um, definitely have it on in the background while I was doing other things. But more than wanting to watch it again, I want to see the others. So <laughs> right. like I, I'm invested. I definitely want to see yeah. the others. So Phantasm is one of those series that's uh, it's kind of like the unsung hero of the horror genre because it's like it's kind of smaller, right? And it's not one that had a lot of like mainstream success, but it has like this cult following because it is very weird and eerie. And the characters are like, there's something distinct about those characters. Like the tall man is kind of like it, like that man, that actor was like made for that role. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right. And like Reggie Bannister is like a distinct, like this fucking weird balding ice cream man. Like, yeah. Who's like a guitar player and right. like, just like kind of like a, yeah, yeah, totally, man. Like, you know, your right. stereotypical like 70s kind of almost stoner guy. Yep. Yeah. And so, you know, that, that like funeral thing is, is very, uh, that's what drew me in. That's what's always kind of drawn me in. It's like the, the weird spooky, f- like funerals are fucking weird, right? It's a, it's a very strange ritual. Yeah. yeah. And, and this movie, I think, kind of plays off of that and expands from it and makes you like go, Ooh, what the hell's yeah. going on in the background? And just like the idea of people doing things with dead bodies secretly yeah. behind the... Some, that, that's that's something that's just creepy right, anyway, some vague, right? Some vague, yeah. post-mortem science. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, we don't know what's going on in there, mm-hmm. but there's like, you know, there's embalming fluid. And, yeah, it's it's, you don't want to know. But you kind of want to know, right? Because right. you want to make sure no one's like doing weird shit to your friends and relatives. But also, you don't want to know. Yeah. So, so I would say for those listening, if you're looking for something that's kind of an incoherent mess, but also really creepy, and it's going to make you go like, "What the fuck am I watching?" Mm-hmm. This is the movie for you. Yeah, I'm not one for mind altering substances, but I would strongly recommend against using any while you're watching this movie because <laughs> yeah. it will fuck you up yeah if you want to have a really bad situation <laughs> yeah don't i mean i'm not advocating for or against anyone can do what they want to do you know with your life but just maybe don't partake while watching this movie yeah it's not even that it's scary it's no. just that it's weird yeah it's gonna leave you unsettled less freaked out less frightened and more just like unsettled and it's gonna leave you feeling like you're like you missed something and that was really what stuck with me and why this is like my favorite like aside from hellraiser the phantasm movies are my favorite horror um uh, franchise whatever um because they really do something different than the other horror movies in that you don't know what the hell's happening they're not answering your questions they're leaving you unsettled and they're leaving you feel like oh like what is going on here and it's not, they're not especially gory. The second movie has a little bit more gore and that's okay. I think it could have done with a little bit more. Um, the special effects in the first movie are, are a little dated, <laughs> very yeah, dated, very dated. Um, but they get a little bit better with the second one. So, well, so, um, we watched children of the corn, not my favorite horror movie, but I'm going to throw my favorite horror movie out there and we'll see if you've seen it. Um, did you ever see the others with Nicole Kidman? No, I've never even heard of it. Really? No, I've never even heard of it. Oh, well, I we're, we'll have to see if we can find it and watch it on Wednesday. So The Others is like a period horror piece. It takes place in, I want to say, around World War One time frame uh-huh. in England. Um, it's very creepy. It's, it's anything that happens, like any horror movie that takes place that's well done prior to the use of antibiotics, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> I think is just really freaks me out because in that time period in human history... Um, like death was just so close. Like you could just die from like, I got a broken leg that got infected, you know, right. just like you could chip a tooth and be dead in a week. Exactly. So I, I think horror movies that take place in that time frame just really creep me out. But they're also like, there's just something about like the Victorian era, um, up through the 1930s that I just find really unsettling. I don't know, like anything like, you know, post Civil War, pre World War Two, any place in mm-hmm. the globe, if there's a horror movie that takes place in that like 50, 60 year time frame, right. Rachel's gonna like it, but Rachel's also gonna be like, Ugh. 
Yeah. Um, and so, um, also Nate just popped his knuckles again in the mic. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. He was playing, you're playing it for me the other day when you did that on nerd words or something. Yeah. And you're like, listen to this. And I was like, what is that? And he's like, that's my knuckles. Yeah. So we, <laughs> we were, uh, we were recording the podcast with Justin Achille and I'm sitting here and, you know, I'm just like listening to him talk and, and, um, you know, I just like my hands hurt. So I just popped them and like in, in the recording, you just heard like, it was like this weird, like, uh, like I wasn't up against it. I was just kind of like down here yeah. and it just like, it was this weird sound, but I knew to look for it because I was like, oh man, I wonder if that got picked up and sure as shit it did. And it just was like the most disgusting sound when you knew what it was. Yeah. So, so you have that to, so you're welcome. Out. I'm not going to edit them no, out don't, of this podcast. Don't edit it out. Y'all yeah. can hear my cracking knuckles. Yeah, for real. I just felt like we were interviewing someone and, you know, it yeah. seemed unprofessional to have my popping knuckles. Yeah. In the, in the but podcast. we'll, we'll, we'll burp, we'll fire it, we'll pop yeah. knuckles, whatever we want on this podcast. I don't care. This I do ours. I want. Do right. I'm a grown ass woman. All right. Well, I think we've, uh, what's, uh, what's up for the next. So for the next playing hooky, uh, I am finishing the gunslinger and I cannot wait to talk to you about that. It seems like we are favorably inclined to Stephen King. Well, it seems like it's purely yes, coincidental. It is purely coincidental, but you know, I like Stephen King as much as the yeah. next person. So, and uh, the Gunslinger—that's like my jam. Uh, and if you don't like that, well, you can just shut your mouth. And do you remember what you will be reviewing? <laughs> when? Of course, I do. So. <laughs> It's a different type of media and a very different experience. Yeah, it's uh, it's something that I have a, a small amount, about 10 minutes worth of experience with. Um, and it is a it is a battle that I'm going to have to overcome. I'm really, really opening my mind for this. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I feel a little bit like you're getting like I'm getting the short end of the stick here. However, that's because I'm just speaking from a closed mind because I really love the gunslinger and I really don't like what, um, what we're going to go do. Are you going to fucking say it? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to go see Rocky horror picture or Rocky horror show. Right. Um, this is a, a, a stage play, a stage yeah, performance. It's, it's a production. So Richard O'Brien who wrote the Rocky horror picture show wrote a stage play first called Rocky horror show. And this is the, you know, the, the version of that. All right. the music is the same, right. obviously, but so I'm gonna go into this with a very open mind. I've seen the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and when I say I've seen, I watched like 15 minutes of it and I was like, this is fucking terrible, and I turned it off. But I I went in with a very closed mind, right? How I, old were you when you saw it? I was in high school. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that you would like it more now than you did in high school, but you'd probably be more willing to at least watch the whole thing and form an opinion rather than this is fucking stupid. Right. So I, I'm going to go to this with the with the anticipation that I'm, I'm going to experience an event, right? Not necessarily, um, you know, that I'm going to like the songs or like the show or the music, but that I'm going to experience an event, right? Right. We went and we saw The Room. And we saw the room in the theater and that was actually like an event. Like people got into it way more than I thought they would have. And I hadn't anticipated that that was going to be a thing. I just knew it was a shitty movie that I'd seen before and I really liked it. So I wanted to go see it in the theater. Being at the event and like being around how people reacted to it really was a lot different than just watching the movie with a buddy on the couch. right? Right. And so 
my hope is that I can go there and I can kind of get past the things that I don't enjoy about it and have fun in the experience. Again, this podcast is about bringing things we love and opening each other's minds to them. And this is really, for me, I consider the first true test uh-huh. of my metal and yeah. my, my ability to be an open-minded uh, individual. I think you will be dazzled. <laughs> I well, think you. <laughs> I'm going to keep my expectations at like just a medium. Right. But again, I'm I'm going into this with an open mind. I'm going to try to leave all of my my preconceived notions at the door uh-huh. and just go and and just experience and report back. Awesome. Well, I think that wraps it up for today. Um, you guys have that to look forward to the Gunslinger and the Rocky Horror Show in our next episode. Thanks for listening to us chat back and forth about Children of the Corn and Phantasm. Um, you can listen to the little commercial blurb at the beginning or end of this podcast to find out where you can find us on social media. As always, I am Rachel. And I am Nathan. And thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Hey folks, this is Rachel from UtilityMuffinLabs.com. If you enjoyed the Playing Hooky podcast, think about supporting us. For more podcasts, art, videos, and gaming, go to UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Follow our podcast on Twitter, at HookyPodcast. On Instagram and Facebook, at our Utility Muffin Labs name. And support us on YouTube, at Utility Muffin Labs. Check out our other gaming-related podcasts, 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, and the Nerd Words Podcast. Thank you all for your support. Utility Muffin Labs, consistently rated adequate. Adequate.